This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to the best of the property show for 2023. I'm Keith Kam. In today's special episode, we will be highlighting some of the conversations with guests we've had on the program this year. As Malaysia's economy continues to face uncertainties from heightened geopolitical tensions, rising cost of living and high interest rates, how did the real estate market fare in 2023? We kicked off the year with Philip C. speaking to Keith Ui, the new group managing director of Knight Frank Malaysia, for his thoughts on the outlook of the property market. To be fair, I would say, yes, maybe robust is not the right word. Recovery for sure. But I would also say it's been resilient, right? Despite all the incredible uncertainties we are facing in in 2022, the political uncertainty, supply chain issues, the on and off opening of reopening, inflation, right? So these trends, I'm sure, did create a lot of uncertainty. But in your estimation, right, what were the major trends that really defined the property market this year? It is a combination of the factors all played a part, Philip, I think. Uh, but to me personally, perhaps the reopening of the borders created a lot of optimism uh, throughout the economy that the pandemic was almost over and we could get back to normal. So I think this was the single biggest event that defined our market in 2022, right? So, but looking back also, I think... Looking at this year, um, I think the rise in OPR rate should not be too detrimental. And because how I felt is that the increases in the OPR in 2022 basically actually just bring us bringing us back um, to slightly below where we were in the years leading up to the pandemic. Like a recalibration, essentially, right? Yeah. yeah. So 2022 has been interesting. But, well, I guess in terms of the... Um, we do not expect the GE to happen, you know, but um, it appears that it was uh, somewhat a good thing that actually it provides uh, some sort of stability in political scenes of our country. Then uh, it could potentially, you know, international investors will once again, you know, look at our shores, you know. So, so yeah, that will be a good um, factor to have. I was wondering, right, as we, as we reflect to the year, the question in my mind is that, you know, we always had this conversation that the pandemic would have created this new normal, that we would be looking at things all very differently, that the market structure would have changed. But in your estimation, are we back to where we were pre-pandemic? Has anything actually changed fundamentally? You know, we talk about the performance of the one year, but do you see telltale signs that there are going to be very permanent and structural shifts to the property real estate market in Malaysia? I think looking back, uh, Philip, I think um, developer in terms of development uh, perspective uh, for developers, uh, developers realise that it can no longer be the same old good days yeah so i think um, many of them have actually invested in digital marketing and some also improve upon their product paying more attention to what occupier really wants right so because the shift of um, this new normal 
the expectation, the the you know the um, all the buyers and occupiers are a lot more sophisticated these days. So I guess uh, these are some changes that we are uh, we have been looking at, and as well as of course on the office perspective, um, you know, hybrid working have actually came out of uh, of this um, post pandemic. So and looking at the. Uh, Capital market perspective, I think um, for the past couple of years, I think international investors has also somewhat uh, shunned away from our Malaysian uh, property market scene. But uh, interest appeared to have picked up uh, back again in December, I think. With 2022 done and dusted and the political uncertainty removed with a new government in place, what's your sense about the direction of this government uh, in terms of addressing concerns of the property real estate market? Because we always get a sense that they are a bit more tenant-friendly. What is the implication on property developers, landlords then? Okay, I think affordability... Uh, will continue to be on the agenda of this unity government. And I do believe that uh, ESG and, you know, sustainability um, will also expected to be the key focus of this government. I see. So you think that essentially there will be specific opportunities that they will, there will be specific areas on cost of living and sustainability that they will focus on, but you don't get a sense that they will... Ro- at put in place new incentives or programs to help the property market then? We have yet to see any uh, sort of uh, concrete uh, policies that was, you know, um, dished out. But eventually, I do believe that in terms of um, those key focus, I believe they uh, will be addressing it in the near future. That was Philip C speaking with Keith Ui, Group Managing Director of Knight Frank Malaysia. Now, moving on with the new government elected late last year under the leadership of Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim, a retabled Budget 2023 was unveiled in February to replace his predecessors. In March, Chong Jensen discussed the retabled Budget 2023 with Lung Kok Wen, Regional Head of Property at RHB Investment Bank, to determine how industry players are reacting to the incentives presented by the budget. She also provided some tips on which property hotspots to keep an eye out for at that time. Completed budget 2023 for the property sector meet expectations of radar and analysts in general. Yeah, um, regarding your questions, I guess, you know, yes and no. I think the market did not expect any uh, material incentives or measures, as far as I know, uh, to be announced this round. And also, given the short span of time since the new government was formed, uh, the authority will really need to have sufficient time to study the impact before introducing any new measures or incentives. So I would say, you know, this round, i.e. nothing much on property, is probably within market expectation or at least my expectation. But how were the incentives? different from, say, the budget that was tabled in October 2022. What did the government omit from the one that was tabled in October of last year? Uh, Well, you know, in October budget, there was an increase in stamp duty exemption of uh, up to 75%. So it was 50% last time. So this is for residential properties priced between 500,000 to 1 million for first-time home buyers. So, you know, for for this time round, based on my my check with, you know, certain industry players, 
player, uh, this still this is still valid. This incentive is still valid, and and this is you know somewhat similar to the uh, home ownership campaign HOC in the past. Uh, recall under the HOC, property buyers were able to enjoy hundred percent stamp duty exemption for residential properties, uh, priced up to one million. So this time uh, we have seventy five percent stamp duty exemption for for properties uh, five hundred thousand to one million. Right. So um so it's already somewhat similar, and also you know considering that HOC was already implemented for I think nearly two years if I'm not wrong and, and in the past especially during the pandemic I guess you know this is the, the reason why the government doesn't have any plan to reintroduce or to bring back the HOC this time round. And Godwin, I noticed there was nothing material on artificial intelligence and big data for the property sector in the budget. But shouldn't this start at the top, i.e. the government, to ensure that the right housing policies are adopted and to understand the demographics and changing needs to ensure that land usage is the most efficient and there is minimal inventory overhang going forward? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, that that's the ideal way of doing the study, uh, like, like what you mentioned just now. But of course, you know, it is not easy and it involves a lot of time time and uh, effort to, you know, to start collecting uh, uh, for, for data collection, data mining and analysis, etc. Um, and if this kind of data is widely available, I think, you know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, will find it very useful and valuable uh, and, and, you know, the, the uh, beneficiaries for, for this kind of data will be the, of course, the developers, the bankers and, and other stakeholders as well. Um, really, I, I think, you know, authority will need to put in a lot of effort, you know, to, to produce uh, such data. Um, hopefully, um, not, not long into the future, you know, we, we can have these uh, resources uh, yeah, for us to be, uh, for us to use them. Uh. I would like to tap on some of your expertise in terms of where the property hotspots are now. Which properties are really selling faster than others? Um, okay, I, I think, you know, the, the main... Uh, I mean, the, the most sellable products are still the, the township properties. Um, like, you know, um, let's say some some townships, like, you know, the, the like said, let's say under SP Satya will, will be like uh, Satya Alam, uh, Banda Kimbara, uh, for some Dabi will be Elmina. Uh, let's say for some some affordable housing player, it will be like, uh, let's say Matrix, uh, Banda Street, Sundayan, uh, in Sundayan area. So, so you know, this these are the bread and butter products uh, for, for all these township developers. Um, of course, you know, there are also um, developers doing mid-end uh, high-rise products in the Klang Valley. Uh, Masing has a few and also, you know, in terms of take-up rate, it's actually quite encouraging. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah Masing also did a, a mid-end landed township products in uh, in Sepang area and, you know, the, the response is very encouraging as well. So, I think, you know, the, the key sellable properties are still, you know, in this segment that they are still on demand. That was Chong Jensen speaking with Lung Kok Wen, the Regional Head of Property at RHB Investment Bank. We'll have more from the best of the property show after these messages, so stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to the Best of the Property Show 2023, where earlier we looked at the initial outlook for 2023 and what the retabled budget meant for the property sector. Now we will be shifting our attention to next year with the latest budget 2024, which was announced in October. Somewhat along the same vein as the previous budget, the 2024 iteration contained very little specifically targeted for Malaysia's property sector, but still included other goodies that might spur some interest, especially for those still wanting to own their first homes. 
This time, it is my turn to speak to Night Frank Malaysia's Keith Ui for his insights on the budget as well as an outlook for the country's real estate market going forward. Let's do a bit of a review of Budget 2023, specifically for the property market. What do you think about the objectives that were achieved and what didn't for the industry as a whole, as well as helping Malaysians own homes that came out of Budget 2023 in February this year? All right. I think looking at the overall budget, I have to actually mention that probably kudos to the government for announcing an expansionary 2024 budget of close to about 394 billion surpasses the 2023 budget yeah, it's the you know, highest, earlier yeah. of this year, right? So um, I guess when we look at it, team as the economic reform empowering the people, I think um, it is evident that the government is determined to actually uplift the national economy and the people's well-being, in particular among, you know, giving more to the truly needy. Okay. In terms of, I think with that in mind, we have seen a further push, a shift from the current blanket uh, subsidies mm-hmm. uh, to a more targeted approach uh, aimed at improving the livelihood of the lower income group. In budget 2023, though, before we get into this, there were a lot of there was a lot of focus on the B40 and M40 groups uh, by way of income tax reductions to to address cost of living and maybe help put a little bit more money into their pockets. Uh, did you actually see this uh, as being able to help this group of people own homes in the past 10 months? I think it's a good start, uh, you know, a good approach to actually um, have a more targeted approach okay. to the um, low-income group. Whether does it um, help this group of, um, you know, people to own home, I think um, this budget, I think there's a limited measure in helping, um, you know, as a whole, you know, um, for the property sector itself, I think. Moving on to budget 2024, let's start with an overview. What stood out for Knight Frank for the property sector in next year's budget? Let's look at the overall budget. There's uh, limited measures to boost the property market as a whole. Yeah. So, But um, having said so, I think let's dive into more on, on some allocation um, yeah. announcement that was made earlier. I think when we look at the allocation for implementation of people housing project, it does benefit. I think it is a positive move from the government to benefit the B40 group as well as the gig economy workers, etc. Another announcement that um, stood out was probably the housing credit guarantee scheme to be expanded up to 10 billion ringgit. This, I think, it will benefit about 40,000 borrowers. You know, this could encourage actually potential home buyers to fulfill their home ownership dreams um, with. So this housing credit guarantee scheme, you're talking about the SJKP, the scheme Jaminan Credit Perumahan. There was already quite a generous allocation in 2023. What sort of impact did you do you think that had on the property market since it was announced? So I think the additional five billion, I think mm. previously was the allocation was about five billion. And with this new announcement of additional five billion, I think as I said, I think it could benefit the majority of the um, new home buyers, probably that could actually, you know take a benefit out of this, fulfill their home ownership dreams. 
finally, now that we are just a couple of months away from uh, the new year, what is your outlook for the property sector in 2024 like? I mean, it depends on who you read. 2024 is expected to be overall a challenging year, more so than 2023. We are looking at high interest rates, likely slower economic growth. And, you know, we talked about China's property market as well. What's your outlook like? Given the current challenging global economic outlook, I may, you know, refer to the external factor itself. Mm-hmm. We remain, I think, cautiously optimistic moving forward with uneven growth or even recovery among the various property subsector itself, right? So um, what we have seen also, there are a renewed interest in Johor Bahru property market with the ongoing, you know, RTS development as well as the HSR that has been actually revised on the plans itself. I think all this will be a game changer for the economic development and property sector in the southern region itself. That was once again Keith Ui, Group Managing Director of Knight Frank Malaysia. And lastly, I spoke to Daniel Ho, the Group Managing Director of the International Real Estate Technology Group, IQI, about the impact that Malaysia has on the Malaysian and Southeast Asian property markets. About a month ago, there were reports that China's property sector had plunged into an unprecedented crisis. Two of the country's largest developers, China Evergrande Group and Country Garden Holdings, had defaulted on their borrowings. Meanwhile, back in Johor, Country Garden's $100 billion Forest City mega project has reportedly turned into a ghost town, with just over only 1% of its partially completed developments occupied. Forest City is really a very stark reminder that not everything will last. It started in 2016 at a time when the property market in China was booming. So taking lessons from Country Garden first, what happened? You know, like China, Country Garden took on too much debt and uh, they struggled to repay it. Like any big project, what the founder envisioned to what exactly that happens on the ground can differ. Okay. So market change, interest rate rules, and they were caught. Pretty much that was a contagion that happened with other developers in China as well, right? From Juai IQI's perspective, how bad was the situation that you all notice? We see that there is a correction that is taking place in the market. Yeah. Well, one for sure is, as a reminder, China has been growing rapidly for the last 40 years. Correct. And you see, you know, they are able to uplift more than 800 million people out of the poverty. And that pace has continued on, even though when the rate of growth has slowed down. So definitely, you know, a real estate market in China is undergoing some correction. What does Juai IQI and indeed other property market watchers make of the project in Forest City? Is there a chance to revive it? Because in the BBC piece, they did say that they were confident of reviving it. Do you think that's possible? I think in the game of property, absolutely, it's very likely and very possible. One of the things that uh, when you look at property, I personally invested in in, in the wrong property. Not Forest City? <laughs> many, many, many years ago, okay. the time when I was about to get married, there uh-huh. was something like uh, 20 plus years ago. My mother-in-law told me, hey, there's a second PJ coming up. You know, that second place, you know, PJ is in uh, Bukit Beruntung, okay. uh, developed by Talam. Ah, I and know a lot of friends who invested there that's and right. burnt as well. That's right. I think uh, the narrative, it was so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also, you know, people like us, you know, we have a lot of uh, optimism about the next airport being relocated there, right? So what happened was I invested there because practically I'm a Rawang guy, you know, when mm-hmm. I was small, you know, I lived there. But the project was sort of like abandoned. Okay. And then the delivery was, it took on longer than usual. And and right after delivery, the price of property we bought in at about 100000 it, it it crashed to 
close to about like 30%. So ended up, you know, property being valued at 70%. So like any difficult project with such a big undertaking, you might have growing pains initially. Mm. You go through, you know, difficult period. But today, if you look back at Rawang, this Bukit Burutung area, the property prices is selling at about 300 plus thousand. So one thing about property, what goes down, it won't, it moves in cycle. And when it goes through certain difficult moments, it will come back again. If you don't mind sharing with us, what's your experience there? Have you recouped all your whatever you've put in? I more than recoup what I put in. I actually make money. In fact, I'm, I'm still holding the unit, the unit until now. And, uh, you know, being current, current, current transaction is very healthy. And if I want to liquidate, you know, I can, I can you know, not not only get back my initial capital investment, yeah. uh, gaining from the rental yield as well as uh, right now, if I were to sell, I'm making money. Recently, there was a South China Morning Post feature that talked about how Southeast Asia's commercial property markets are becoming more popular with mainland Chinese investors. Why is this the right time now? Has the property crisis in China sort of abated and that they are they, they seem to be more uh, interested in, in putting their money outside the country? I think if you look at the Chinese buying behavior, post-COVID, it is more pragmatic. You look at Every country is in ASEAN, say for example Singapore. As far as Singapore is concerned, the largest trading partner for Singapore is China, constitute okay. about 15%. Malaysia, the same, largest trading partner is China, constitute about 15.5%. Indonesia, largest trading partner is also China, 23%. Vietnam, largest trading partner is China, 22%. Thailand, largest trading partner is also China, 14%. So all in all, there is a lot of economic activity that is happening in this region with China. And it's only natural that, you know, like uh, when, when China buys into properties, right now that what we are seeing is a very pragmatic approach from China because it's fueled by corporate expansion. Mm-hmm. And many of these buying behavior are fueled by business transaction. For example, like in Malaysia, we have transacted a couple of very significant deals where it involve biotechnology company in China, listed in China, and they expanded into Penang. Right. And this is where when they look at, you know, the countries that they want to go in, which country offers them the best in terms of supply chain, in terms of labor, in terms of markets, potential, so on and so forth. So Southeast Asia is definitely within their radar. Well, wow, OK, there's a lot of competition there. But before we get into that, like with individual Chinese investors who want to buy overseas, what challenges do they face to invest overseas by the Chinese government? I think right now, as far as individual buying is concerned, repatriation of funds is a major issue. For many of them, you know, you have a pen up in terms of they just can't buy okay. if they are unable to repatriate. So instead of doing that, some of them would repatriate slowly. And then uh, over time, you know, when they are ready, they will make the purchase. But more so today, we are looking a lot more on the corporate buying. You know, Daniel, during the whole COVID-19 pandemic thing, when international borders reopened, everyone was traveling like no business. There was That's like right. revenge travel, right? Mm-hmm. Do you see a revenge property buying, so to speak, amongst Chinese investors in this region? At this moment, I don't see a revenge buying because they have become more pragmatic and less speculative buying behaviour. And I think this is good. This augurs very well for the region. But I'm seeing a very strong, sustained interest in buying for reasons of 
building business mm-hmm. businesses across this entire region. And this is also in line with the Belt and Road Initiative that the Chinese government is also pushing forward. That was Daniel Ho, the Group Managing Director of Juai IQI. And that about sums up our recap of the property show for 2023. You can listen to all the conversations featured today in full via podcast on the BFM app or on our website, bfm.my. This has been the best of The Property Show 2023. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.